So you thought there was only one story worth talking about in Kansas City this week. We've got all the other news you missed as pretty much every local reporter headed to New Orleans or Lawrence. We track the results of this week's local elections, groundbreaking on the new streetcar extension, and Kansas lawmakers raising the stakes on their quest to lure the Chiefs across the state line. Plus, just as our two governors declare the COVID emergency over, why are masks now back in Shawnee Mission schools? And we answer your questions from the big Kansas mystery company to a renaming of KCI, those stories, and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Nick Haynes, and it's great to have you with us on our journey through the week's most impactful, confusing, and befuddling local news stories. Hopping on board the Week in Review bus this week, he is Mr. Up-to-Date on KCURFM, Steve Kraske, editor and reporter for City Scene KC, Kevin Collison, from the pages of your Kansas City star, Dave Helling. And with so many stories percolating on the Kansas side this week, we're thrilled to have Statehouse reporter Rebecca Chung joining us from Topeka. She's political correspondent for KSNT-T in our Kansas capital. Uh, Steve Kraske, before we get going, can I ask you if you were a local politician right now, would this mean a great way to uh, do some difficult decisions and get something past the public in a week that there were no reporters available to cover it? Yeah, I mean, no kidding with all the sports coverage over in uh, Lawrence right now. But I just was thinking, Nick, this is, this is kind of a golden era for Kansas City sports. Just think, in the last seven years, we've had a World Series champ, a Super Bowl champ, and now a national NCAA champion. We're the sports capital of America right now, Nick. It's a good time to be a Kansas Cityan. But it, you know, college hoops, though, Kevin, is so tribal. When I came in yesterday to try and put a lot of the show together, most of our production crew never even watched the game. They were people from Missouri. They didn't care about Kansas. That's different than, say, the Royals or the Chiefs. I'm always glad to see our local NBA franchise do well. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, Rebecca, I did see that the governor, Laura Kelly, was also in New Orleans trying to even do hype rallies and things. Are we all going to get a day off work if you live in Kansas as a result of this? That is a good question. I actually thought you could look at this in two ways. You could look at this as, you know, the governor rallying around her constituents, you know, trying to show her support for Kansas. But you could also very easily look at this as, you know, Ted Cruz going on vacation during a storm. Well, basketball was big this week, but an oval-shaped ball is also dominating our news cycle. Last week, we discussed how the Chiefs were now scooping out, uh, scouting out, rather, new stadium sites in Kansas. This week, the stakes have been raised. Bills hereby declared passed. Kansas is now moving forward with a plan to legalize sports betting. And where will the proceeds go? Listen to this. The Attracting Professional Sports to Kansas Fund. It's a new pool of incentive money designed to lure the Chiefs across the state line. How is this changing, Dave Helling, the speed, scope, and size of this stadium debate? Well, we're very early in this discussion, Nick. And by the way, there's no truth to the rumor that if the Chiefs move to Kansas, Mike Parson is trying to get the Jayhawks to move to Missouri. That... <laughs> that is a story we've heard that's not true. Setting aside gambling money for uh, whatever purpose it can be used for, for new facilities, is important, but it's not the be-all and end-all. A new stadium is going to cost a billion dollars or more. So it moves the needle a little bit. It may force the hand of the people in Missouri, but it's not a definitive uh, 
moment, if you will, in this discussion. Dave says, Rebecca, that it's a drop in the bucket. Sports betting in Kansas, that bill would bring about $10 million a year. That's not going to build you much of a stadium, is it? I definitely think they're trying to at least, you know, leave a trail or, or you know, put certain things in place so we're in a good position that if something does happen down the line, you know, something can come our way. Most states in the country have already approved sports betting, Rebecca. Why is it after years of saying no, did the lawmakers at the very last minute decide to move forward with this and to tie it to trying to bring in a sports franchise too? Well, it could be a lot of things. And I think it could be, you know, maybe the pandemic shifting that mindset, thinking, you know, kind of light, lighting a fire under their seat a little bit and saying, well, you know, now is the time that we need to take action. We need more money coming into the state. We need to be secure in times where we may be unsure. Um, and I think that's something that could have contributed to it. But it, I think it also just comes at the time, seeing that everyone else is moving in this direction and Kansas also maybe needs to, you know, take those steps as some of the conversations that we've been hearing here. Um, I think it also goes back to uh, your second question uh, in regard to, you know, adding this attracting professional sports teams to Kansas fund. I think that also comes with, you know, just maybe the news of the Chiefs possibly moving and hearing that, I think it kind of also tells them, well, you know, maybe we should add something like this. Maybe we should incentivize something like this and, you know, cash in on the moment. Mayor Quinton Lucas, Steve, says absolutely never going to happen. Uh, Missouri Governor Mike Parson saying this week, we're going to fight this. We'll be competitive with any state. Does that mean there is no shortage of money? They're going to throw everything they have at the Chiefs, give them away their wallets from the state of Missouri uh, to make sure that uh, the arrowhead stays in Missouri? Well, they may have to here, Nick, and I think the Chiefs are being very smart here. They have put themselves into the stadium conversation very aggressively after all the focus had been on the Royals and this downtown stadium. You know, anyone who's applied for a job, Nick, you, you get a job offer, you have a nice job, you get a job offer from somebody else, suddenly your employer wants to pay you more money to keep you. That's exactly what's going on here right now with the Chiefs. You have two states vying for this team and uh, willing to pay big money to keep them. Smart move by the Chiefs. By the way, uh, Kevin, listen closely to the debate on this in the Kansas legislature, and it's clear there is more to this. The Kansas side is thinking big lawmakers say this new fund could also be used to try and attract an NBA team. You know, other states do this. Kansas does not presently. We may be able to attract a, a, a professional team, basketball team. So could you imagine that Missouri keeps the Chiefs and Kansas gets a, a new professional basketball team? You wouldn't even have uh, that at the, the Power and Light District, Kevin. I really don't know a heck of a lot about the NBA, except for the fact that one of the biggest questions has always been, is there an ownership group here that would be willing to put up the huge amounts of money to bring a team here? But I'd like to get back on the sports discussion because I've written a lot about this. And when you look at it, you know, the whole the egg is being broken with the Truman Sports Complex. Uh, John Sherman has been clear from the get-go he wants to do a downtown ballpark. So the whole arrangement that was put in place in the early 1970s to have both teams married to one another out there at uh, 70 and I-435, that's, that's off, which is opening up all these interesting possibilities. Now, the Chiefs say that they are being pitched by Kansas developers. They were very low key about this whole thing. And it does raise the real possibility that as Steve mentioned, you'll get the resources of an entire state involved that might not otherwise have been the case. As in the words of the Godfather, give them an offer they can't refuse. 
that's going to be pretty tough, and it is going to up the ante for Missouri to try to match what Kansas would be prepared to do. And they've got star bonds and a lot of stuff out there that they could throw at the Chiefs. Dave? The idea of the Chiefs moving to Kansas is very old, in part because it would be a way for Kansas, uh, Kansas and Kansans uh, to help support this regional amenity that now is on the backs primarily of Jackson County taxpayers. The idea is Kansas, you build for the Chiefs, Missouri, you build for the Royals and everyone will be, uh, you know, paying their fair share. Dave Helling makes a great point here. And it, this is a time, the time for us to have a community-wide conversation about who funds these stadiums. Is it still going to be on the shoulders of Jackson County taxpayers to pay for both the Chiefs and the Royals? Or because we are one metropolitan area that happens to be divided by a state line, is it time for us to have an adult conversation about maybe one side of the state line takes one team and the other keeps the other? This is a good time to have that conversation because the load has been too heavy on Jackson County taxpayers for way too long. Luring the Chiefs to Kansas isn't the only issue on Governor Laura Kelly's mind this week as lawmakers send to her desk an avalanche of contentious bills. Will she sign them or veto them? Most closely watched is a ban on transgender athletes competing in girls' sports. A second bill blocks so-called sanctuary cities. It follows a recent decision in Wyandotte County to approve municipal ID cards to undocumented workers. It also instructs police not to cooperate with federal immigration agents. And lawmakers have also sent to Governor Kelly's desk a parent's bill of rights requiring schools to make available to parents every lesson plan, test, book list, or handout the teachers provide their students. Supporters say it's about transparency. Governor Kelly calls it the Teacher Demoralization Act. In the past, we may have been able to read which way Kelly would side on these bills, but this is no ordinary time. Will election year politics, Rebecca, push the Democratic governor into making some uncomfortable decisions? So we look at the Parents' Bill of Rights and the trans, um, you know, athlete bill, I think when we think about that, that may be a little bit more clear. We may see her kind of do with, you know, the trans athlete bill, what she did in the past, which is veto the bill. Uh, and then we may also see a veto override coming. Um, however, I think with the immigration bill uh, or the sanctuary city ban, we need to start thinking, well, this is a very big Republican issue. This is a very big party issue, the border issue. The governor hasn't spoken about this publicly. Will she now take a stance? This is going to be something interesting that I think is coming down the line, especially as we get into debates uh, further into the election. What is she going to say about this issue? What is she going to come out and say what would be her rebuttal if this were to be brought up on the Republican side? Uh, so we're definitely, you know, it's a bit more iffy on the immigration issue, what may happen. And if she does take a hard stance, where that could land her in the election. Now, if you were watching KU on TV this past week, you might have seen sandwiched between all the ads for snack foods and prescription drugs, the first re-election ad for Governor Laura Kelly. And guess who has a cameo role in it? Yes, Donald Trump, who Kelly claims she worked collaboratively with. And when adversity hit, she worked with both sides, always putting what's best for Kansas ahead of party politics. Governor Laura Kelly getting Kansas back on track. Alrighty, the ad is released at the same time Kelly joins Missouri's Republican governor in declaring that it's time to move past the pandemic and start treating COVID uh, like the flu. Uh, with a tough re-election against Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt, can we expect Kelly to shift on some other big issues, Steve? You know, I, there's an old saying in politics, Nick, as you know, that politics makes for strange bedfellows, and we're certainly seeing that uh, in this ad with Donald Trump. It's remarkable, but this is the season. Nick, I'll be real simple here. 
if, if it's normal political times, Governor Kelly would veto all three of these bills. Uh, they're right in her wheelhouse. There's no question that's what she would do. But to Rebecca's point, will she go in a different direction right now because it's political season? We'll have to wait and see. I do wonder, Nick, about using the image of Laura Kelly with Donald Trump in that first ad, because it's hard to imagine that Trump supporters in Kansas are going to look at that and think, oh, she worked with Donald Trump, the Trump, I'm going to vote for Laura Kelly. That's just not going to happen. Uh, she needs to appeal, I think, to independents, moderates, and others in places like Johnson County and Wyandotte County. And maybe the image of Trump is counterproductive in that way. You know, as we mentioned in COVID, if you thought we'd done away with all of those pandemic restrictions, think again, the Shawnee Mission School District reimposing mask mandates this week, at least at six elementary schools, with so many kids are now out sick. Is this the proverbial canary in the coal mine, Steve, that more COVID trouble is ahead, or is there more to what's happening in Shawnee Mission this week? Oh, I think there's more COVID trouble ahead, Nick. We are all so desperate to see this pandemic in our rearview mirrors. It's, it's too early for that. And we haven't gotten there yet. We want to be there yet. Uh, and I think people need to be careful. I just got my fourth shot uh, last Friday, and I think it was a good idea for me. And Nick, just to point out here, uh, speaking of Governor Kelly, think about this for a moment. If she gets that $4 billion Panasonic battery plant, you know, if the Chiefs continue to show interest in coming to Kansas, and if she can get that uh, a big food sales tax cut, and then she tops it off with an NBA franchise, she's good to go for another four years, I think, Nick. Rebecca, Steve mentions that big Kansas mystery project, which we were told may be Panasonic. We were told also we were going to have a final decision by mid-March. Is now we're entering almost the second week of April. We've heard nothing. Is there some bad news behind the scenes we're not hearing? It's been radio silence because we've reached out to the governor's office about this. We've been trying to get our answers as well, and we haven't heard anything about it. It used to be this really big thing, a secret project they're working on, and now it's kind of just fallen, you know, at the at the end of it. We don't see, we don't hear anything about it. So my my thing or my guess would be, you know, is there even a project that is now in place? Have we lost that opportunity? Kevin, oh, that might be why she's pushing the chiefs now instead of uh, this uh, mystery well, company. I guess I, I would argue that if we haven't heard an announcement from anywhere else, that this thing is still in play because, you know, the other rival was supposed to be right. Oklahoma. Uh, and so right now, you know, these deals, if there's anything you learn when you write about development, economic development, the timetables that are often laid out are not real. I mean, it takes much longer, but if we haven't heard from anywhere else, I think we're still in the hunt. Here's an update on last week's stunning news development that Nordstrom was backing off its plans to now move to the plaza. City Scene KC reporting that Dillard's is now negotiating for the space. Would most Kansas Cityans prefer Dillard's or Nordstrom on the plaza? And would Dillard's just close one of its other stores, possibly at Oak Park Mall, Kevin, to move there? Uh, you know, I can't really speculate on what Dillard's grand plan is for the Metro, but I do know that, you know, right now, the owners of the plaza, uh, it seems very, uh, it, it looks very likely this Nordstrom deal has disappeared. So I've got a couple of people who are pretty wired, and they were telling me that, yes, indeed, they are in discussions with Dillard's. Dillard's is actually uh, a pretty, of all the department store chains, doing much better than their peers, including Nordstrom. Uh, and I think it would definitely be something that they'd be interested in. Now, whether they'd want to close the store, I would, if I'm speculating on Dillard saying we want to, if we do open another store and we shut another one down, I would say the Independence Center 
would be the more likely choice. We heard a lot from our viewers about this story. Kyle says he'll support whichever one commits to actually building and getting rid of an awful empty lot that's been sitting there for three years, harming such an iconic part of our city. Steve, what have been the implications of having this huge hole in the ground for the better part of three years on the plaza? Well, it's been a mess, and, and the news that Nordstrom's is probably likely not coming to the plaza is only more bad news being heaped on the plaza right now. But hey, you know, if Kevin's story has some legs and Dillard's does wind up moving to the plaza, that would be a nice rebound uh, for our, our, our key shopping district in this city because Dillard's not quite as upscale, might attract a broader clientele to people to the plaza than we see right now. And uh, if they can pull that off, that would be a nice rebound for uh, a group that needs a rebound right now. Now, last week, Dave Helling suggested entertainment, not retail, had to be the future for the plaza. Is that why the former Nike store on the plaza has now been turned into Kansas City's latest art exhibit, an immersive experience of the Sistine Chapel? And why coming soon to the former Jack Henry space is a new indoor mini golf experience, Kevin? Well, those are two pretty different animals, Nick. I mean, the golf, the puttery golf thing is actually a permanent tenant that's going to provide this kind of entertainment destination that the developer of that particular project believes the plaza needs more of. On the flip side, the, the Michelangelo show is another reminder of how the plaza is struggling, and they're just trying to fill empty space with whatever they can until they can get a more permanent use. It was election day this week in many parts of the metro. You mean you didn't know there was one? On Tuesday, voters in Kansas City were being asked to approve upgrades to the sewer system. Ambulances were also on the ballot as voters were asked to renew the city health care levy. Both passed with massive majorities. In Independence, Eileen Weir is out as mayor of the city. 58% of voters picking state lawmaker Rory Rowland to lead the city for the next four years. And this man making the headlines, Anthony Mundane, becoming the first black person to ever be elected to the Independence School Board. Steve, were you rocked out of your seat, stunned into silence by any of the results this week? Little surprise, Nick, by the school board elections and the push towards candidates, uh, back, voters backing candidates who favor diversity uh, in school districts and being supportive to, to students of all stripes uh, in our communities these days. Uh, we saw those efforts in Park Hill, in North Kansas City, and in Independence, only in Lee Summit did we see more conservative candidates elected to the school board, two newcomers going on the board there. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me, given the fervor that this, uh, this whole conversation uh, has gotten in recent months. How about you, Dave? Were you shocked, horrified that 80% of voters might say yes to sewers and that Eileen Weir would be on the way out in independence? No, I don't think there were any great surprises. The health levy passed with healthy margins it has for years. I've been endorsed by the people of Kansas City, so that wasn't a big surprise. I'd echo what Steve said, that after all the, the shouting and uh, screaming at school board meetings this uh, winter, uh, that candidates who believe in more diverse approaches to education actually won in the majority of districts in our area. So that's interesting news. Doesn't mean that the warfare over what's taught in our schools will end, but it may change right. the tenor of that discussion. 
This week, we were marking the official groundbreaking for the new streetcar extension line. The head of the Federal Transit Administration was joining the mayor for a ceremonial rain, rail signing on the Main Street route. More than three miles of new track is being laid to extend the streetcar down to the Country Club Plaza and UMKC. But don't expect to be riding the new extension anytime soon. There's still more than two and a half years of construction work ahead. It won't open to passengers until 2025. Kevin, they say ground is being broken this week. But if you've been anywhere near Main Street over the the better part of a year, would you be saying to yourself, that's old news, it's one big hole and diversion after another already? Uh, little do we know the complexity that lies beneath <laughs> the surface of our streets. Uh, you know, this has all been relocating uh, pipes and infrastructure that's been there, as you mentioned early in the show, for a long time. Uh, this is all the preliminary work to the actual laying of the rails. You know, we're already seeing some of the benefits of this streetcar expansion down Main Street. We've seen some substantial reinvestment. There's been a couple of older buildings renovated. There's a couple of major projects that are in the works. So it's already starting to yield benefits to the community uh, as far as just attracting development on that corridor, even though you and I aren't gonna be able to ride to that downtown ballpark for a while yet. Kevin mentions the uh, upsides. Has there been a downside we didn't expect, Steve? Anybody who's tried to drive down Main Street in recent months is taking his or her life in their hands. It is really a tough slog right now, particularly at night, trying to navigate through all the different uh, barricades and that kind of thing. That's been the big downside. But hey, that's the price of progress. And uh, I, for one, I can't wait for that new streetcar to come up to our campus here. It's going to change a lot of lives here and change a lot and save a lot of money for students who won't have to you know, buy parking passes and pay for car maintenance to have that available. As we're updating projects, let's update the biggest construction project in our metro, the new look KCI Airport. In the last few days, the development team has announced it's now 80% complete. Kansas City PBS viewer Richard in Grandview wants to know, whatever happened to those plans to rename the airport? Is that still happening? Well, I haven't heard uh, any major discussion of that at all, Nick. It may be happening in places I don't uh, know about, but by and large, the idea of a big, uh, splashy name for the new airport seems to be on the back burner. It is a little more difficult to rename airports than other public amenities because the FAA gets involved and there are some rules that they have to follow, but I haven't heard of anything. I checked with the city yesterday, nothing going on, nothing at least from City Hall, whether somebody else is pushing an effort, Nick, I'm not aware of it either. How about at City KC? Are you finding out uh, revelations that it may be the Sly uh, James International, the Buckle uh, Wheel Airport, Kevin? Uh, the City Scene is in negotiations to buy the naming rights. So it'll be City Scene International. I haven't heard anything. Uh, you know, there may be, to be honest with you, all joking aside, there may be some naming rights things that they'll pursue to help uh, put a little more money into the coffers of it, but I have not heard anything at and, all. And just quickly, Nick, all joking aside, the Kansas City Council went through a two-year nightmare renaming Paseo or not renaming Paseo, the, the entire Martin Luther King debacle, which really, I think, you know, impressed on the council how difficult these changes yes. can be. And once you pick one name, everyone else gets mad. I don't get the sense that there's a taste for a big battle I think that's right. in the airport. Now, when you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Kansas completes the biggest championship comeback. KU lifting the national trophy dominated the local news cycle, but it was also the week that saw the first court trial contesting Kansas's new congressional map. There were more public hearings to gather feedback on a new police chief 
and a large group of clergy took over the steps of City Hall to demand the next chief be from outside the department. Overland Park debated short-term rentals but stopped short of banning companies like Airbnb. She may be the first black justice on the Supreme Court, but all four local senators voting no. Missouri may have expanded its Medicaid program, but there are reports of five-month waits to enroll. The city blames staff shortages. And it's opening day for the Kansas City Royals after a pesky lockout delays the start of the season. All righty, Steve Kraske, do you do pick one of those stories or something completely different? You know, I picked one of those, Nick, all four of our U.S. senators in the area coming out against uh, the Supreme Court nominee. Listen, uh, Democrats play this game, too. This is payback for Democratic objections uh, uh, under Donald Trump. But having said that, this is, after all, the first African-American woman in the history of the United States to be nominated for this court. This feels like a missed opportunity to me. Rebecca Chung. Well, I'd have to say maybe those redistricting trials going underway definitely would be one of the big stories. Um, I think when we, some of the evidence that's been brought, of course, is that Susan Wagle video that came out kind of explicitly kind of talking or hinting at gerrymandering. I know when we talked to her, when that video came out, she was saying she was trying to do everything that she can uh, to get Republicans elected. And I think that sort of, you know, could be taken in the wrong way by some. And um, I think this could be something that definitely plays a major factor in trying to get these maps um, overturned. Uh, the redistricting maps that did come out, a lot of Democrats did not like them. A lot of Republicans said, well, this is how we're drawing them in regard to evening out the population this year. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out in court. Kevin. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with the police chief story. And the reason I'm saying that is, Totally understand there's been so much attention about how whoever takes over that department needs to create a culture that's more respectful of people's rights, that's more sensitive. But a huge question that's not being talked about is somebody's going to have to turn that department into a much more effective crime fighting operation because we still have horrific homicides in this town. Quality of life issues like drag racing and stunt driving are just driving people in the city crazy. Burglaries are up. We need to also talk about the fact that we need a more effective department and what the new chief will do to try to do a better job of reducing crime in the city. And Dave. Well, first of all, tip of the cap to Rebecca. She's exactly right. That trial on the Kansas side is fascinating. And I would say the overlooked story on the Missouri side is redistricting as well. They still don't have congressional maps in Missouri. And there's some talk about reopening the filing deadline once they get the new maps, because nobody knows whether they live in the districts they want to represent or not, we need to keep an eye on that. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to the stars Dave Helling, Kevin Collison from City Scene KC, joining us from KSNT-TV Topeka, Statehouse reporter Rebecca Chung, and keeping you up to date weekdays at 9 on KCURFM Steve Kraske. And I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.